Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Daniel 6, verses 6 to 10. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And we're going to the New Testament in Acts, chapter 16. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Thanks, Margaret. So, who has a rhythm in their life? Like any rhythms, any disciplines, any, any things you do like auto-repeatedly? Who's, anyone? Everyone. Hey? Shave my head, said someone. This <laughs> Josh. Yeah, well, you do, right? Um, who, who had breakfast this morning? Who had breakfast yesterday? Day before? Could go back, like, most of your life, right? Um, who went to bed to sleep last night? Yeah. It's a rhythm. You do it every, every day. Who's been breathing today? Who's thought, who got up this morning and was like, okay, I've got so much to do today, I need to start breathing? You don't, you don't think about it, right? It's automated. It's a discipline. It's a ritual that you do without thinking, without focusing on it. Same with, you know, often, you know, taking fluids, eating, whatever. We have to do these things to live, but they become so much part of our lives that 
We don't really notice them. They're, they're weaved in. They're kind of embedded. And this morning, we've been looking the last few, few weeks. So if you're visiting today, good to have Caleb here. Haven't seen you for a while. We've missed you drumming, Caleb. So you're welcome back anytime, all right? Um, if, if, we, um, if we think about the last few weeks, we're, we're looking at spiritual uh, life and, and that we're Christians. If, if we are Christians, we're, we're followers of Jesus and he comes, he saves us, he brings us into his kingdom of light, he forgives us, we're saved, right? We come into a, a new way of, of life. But we don't just stay there. It's like, you know, God uh, meets us where we are, he loves us where we are, but he doesn't want to leave us where we are. There's, there's kind of a progression, there's growth. Um, Jesus taught the disciples for three years, intensely teaching them. And when in the New Testament, when people became followers of Jesus, they taught them. Paul and Barnabas spent a year in the city of Antioch where there was a breakout of kind of people coming to faith. The gospel was taking root. Paul and Barnabas, it says, spent a year there teaching the new Christians, teaching the disciples. So some of you have been you know, Christians forever kind of thing. Some of you are newer to the faith. But all of us, like, has anyone arrived is anyone fully got it together? Like, you've just got it. You understand it all. You live like Jesus perfectly all the time. Is anyone... All right, so I've got a captive audience then because I'm certainly not in that category myself. So we're, we're learning, we're growing, and we're on a pathway together. So today I want to talk a little bit about... Um, that, that way of spiritual disciplines, a couple in particular. And um, yeah, so let's, I'll see if I can use this. Uh, seems to be not working. I don't know, is there a button here? I'm pressing buttons, but uh, I suppose, should I turn it on? <laughs> hey? What have I got? <laughs> Help me out here. Oh, there you go. There's a little receiver part there that goes in the computer. Okay. See, this is... Um... <laughs> it's not a rhythm, right? The, the, the rhythm broke down. Uh, try that. All right. All right, there we go. So move through that one. I just want to quickly run through, like, we talked about... Um, being healthy spiritually, emotionally. So I want to run through the, the quick 10 things um, that are kind of signals about the lack of health in our emotional, spiritual lives. And I read through this again this week, and I'm like, oh, man, so many of them triggered me. Um, using God to run from God. So I fill my life with Christian activities to avoid addressing difficult issues in my life or relationship problems. I just, you know, get more active for Jesus. Um, second, I ignore the ungodly emotions of anger, sadness, and fear. Um, I'm really honest with myself and or others about the feelings, the hurts, the pains beneath the surface of my life. Um, and we just kind of push on and, and move through that. Um, dying to the wrong things. I tend to deny healthy, God-given pleasures in life, such as friendships, joy, music, beauty, laughter, nature. Um, at the same time, I find it difficult to die to my self-protectiveness, my defensiveness, my lack of vulnerability and my judgmentalism. Uh, it's not good. Fourth, denying the past's impact on the present. I rarely consider how my family of origin and significant people events from my past have shaped 
and do shape my present. Uh, And it's not to be bound by them or stuck in them, but just to be aware that um, we have a context, we have a family, we have a history, and to understand how that might impact us. Dividing our lives into secular and sacred compartments, I easily compartmentalise God to my Christian activities, while usually forgetting about God when I'm working, shopping, studying, or recreating. So like God's like this little package part of my life, a little compartment, but then I just get on with actual life and um, you know, forget about God in, in those more mundane parts of life. Doing for God instead of being with God, I tend to evaluate my spiritual life based on how much I'm doing for God. Like unless I'm praying or reading my Bible or going to church or whatever, I I don't think that God loves me. And when I do stuff for God, I kind of then feel, well, he must love me now because he owes me, right? I'm doing stuff for him. Rather than, no, he loves me because he's given me the gift of his love in Jesus. It's not something I can earn or something I can um, get him to owe me. Spiritualizing away conflict. Um, I'm sure no one here does this, but I usually miss out on true peace by smoothing over disagreements, burying tensions, avoiding conflict rather than disrupting false peace as Jesus did. So I give in too easily. I always capitulate. I'm just the one who goes, yeah, okay, whatever. And even though I'm unhappy, I just, I don't, I just want to avoid any conflict, any tension. I can't cope with it. Um, and that's not healthy. Covering over brokenness, weakness and failure. I have a hard time speaking freely about my weaknesses, my failures and my mistakes. Now there's a place for that. It's not necessarily, you know, on the street corner shouting that. (laughs) But in a context with a couple of other Christian brothers or sisters or a a life group, home group environment where we can open up a bit and actually say... um, yeah, I'm really struggling or I'm really hurting or I'm really having a struggle with this area of my life and not to feel ashamed. Um, living without limits. I said, <laughs> I said to a man this morning, um, oh, anyway, I won't say what I said, but... <laughs> no, well, so today there's so much... With Trent sick this week and, and then jumping into lead from yesterday, I said, like, super pastor, able to leap tall pulpits in a single bound. And I, I was like... Nick, know your limits, man. Like, you don't have to do everything. Um, Those close to me would say that I often try to do it all or bite off more than I can chew. And then finally, judging other people's spiritual journey. Um, I often find myself occupied and bothered by the faults of those around me. So just a quick recap. Now, I just want you to do a stress test. I want you to talk to the person next to you. Not yet. And on a scale of 1 to 10... You can do three things, okay? The first one is scale of one to two. How busy are you right now? One, like you're almost in the grave. Um, Ten, you're really busy. Um, On a scale of one to ten, how stressed are you? One, no stress at all. Ten, super stressed. On a scale of one to ten, not tired, very tired and weary. So I want you to talk to someone next to you on those three. Where are you? One to ten, on busyness, on stress, on tiredness. Have a chat with the person next to you.
Okay. Now, you don't have to share. You don't have to share with anyone else. But the follow-up question on those three things: Where would you like to be? What number would you like to be? And put your hand up if the number that you are and the number that you'd like to be is different. Put your hand up. Okay. So some of you are feeling more busy than you'd like to be. Who's feeling less busy than they'd like to be? Okay. You guys, you are countercultural. You are living the dream here. <laughs> Most people wouldn't put their hands up. So there's, we're often like out of balance, right? Busyness, stress, um, tiredness, and... Um, and that's not good longer term, right? And you go through seasons, yeah, for sure. There's seasons of peak intensity. And, but if you stay in that place for too long, it, it really starts to eat us up. So let's have a look at like, our spiritual lives and at developing more of a rhythm and a discipline for our spiritual lives. Beat Scazzaro, the, the guy who, who writes the Emotional Healthy Spirituality stuff, says, many of us are eager to develop our relationship with God the problem can be that we can't seem to stop long enough to be with him. And if we aren't busy, we feel guilty that we are wasting time and not being productive. It's like being addicted, not to drugs or alcohol, but to tasks, work and doing. But God is offering us a way to deeply root our lives in him. And this can be found, he says, in two ancient Christian disciplines, spiritual disciplines, going back thousands of years. The daily office, which might be new to you if you're not Anglican, um, and the Sabbath, which most people have heard of. Um, when placed inside present-day Christian faith, the daily office and the Sabbath are groundbreaking countercultural acts that go against the grain of our fast-paced Western culture. And I'm going to talk a bit more about what the daily office is in a moment, what, what the Sabbath is. Um, we have a general idea of that. Um, but he goes on to say, stopping for the daily office and Sabbath is not meant to add another to-do to our already busy schedules. It's resetting our entire lives towards a new destination, God himself. These practices enable us to stay attuned to God's presence throughout our days and weeks. At the heart of the practice of the daily office and the Sabbath is stopping to surrender to God in trust. Now, we've all said we have rhythms in our lives already. Um, we, we've acknowledged that we do. And, and I would say you can't not have a spiritual rhythm in your life. It's either a poor one and an unhelpful one uh, or it's healthy and helpful. Just like you can't not be neutral on your physical health. You're either doing things which are going to aid your physical health or not. There's no neutrality there. It's the same with the spiritual life. Um, and so let's look at the Sabbath because there's often a bit of confusion in church communities around the Sabbath. Are we supposed to keep the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? Is it gone? Did Jesus kind of die and now we don't have to worry about the Sabbath? Look, I'm not going to get into too much just to say, no, the Sabbath isn't a requirement for Christians. It's not a law. But this, listen to Exodus, what, what it says, what the Lord says um, about the Sabbath. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter. So don't ask your kid to mow the lawns on the Sabbath. No, um, nor your male or female servant. 
Has anyone got servants here? No, probably not many. Um, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Which is quite, just on that for a moment, that's quite radical in the day. Foreigners weren't treated well in, when they were minorities in a culture. And here God is saying, treat the minorities in your culture the same as you treat each other. They get to have a Sabbath as well. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. That's why I have trouble with that song, Waymaker. I just want to say, I like the song, but it's like, you never stop, you never stop working, you never stop. Yes, he does. It says right here. <laughs> he stopped on the sixth day. Now, we can still sing that song, but just went, never stop, you never stop working, going, except on the Sabbath. You never stop, you never stop working. Anyway, um, he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, as I said, Christians, we don't keep the Sabbath as a law. Like, you know, on Saturday, which is the traditional Sabbath, you've got to just stop. But the principle of the Sabbath is beautiful, and it's a gift to us if we want to to listen and hear what God might be saying in this. Um, It says in the book of Hebrews, um, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work. And it's talking about our faith. That Jesus has come as we trust in him, as we enter into what he's done. We rest from having to justify ourselves, from having to prove ourselves, from having to win influence or whatever. We, We rest in the fact that God loves us in and through Jesus. So there's a Sabbath rest that's kind of ongoing like that. But in practice, the Sabbath is a beautiful gift. Now, listen to what Jesus, he got into the the leaders uh, in his day about the Sabbath because he healed someone. And it says indignant, the leaders, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Um, they, the synagogue ruler got up and said, there's six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Remember the Jews, like, they were so strict and rigid on the Sabbath that they were upset at Jesus for healing someone on the Sabbath because that was work, and you're not allowed to work, Jesus. And then Jesus answered them in that inclusive and tolerant way that we've come to love about Jesus. You hypocrites! <laughs> Sorry. Um, Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath from what bound her? Imagine the room, the synagogue right there. The humiliation of those leaders. What could they say? They were so obsessed with God's law on the Sabbath that they'd forgotten about loving and caring for people. And Jesus called them out on it. But he didn't say, don't do the Sabbath. He didn't say the Sabbath was wrong as a principle. He said the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man and for woman, not man and woman for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. So he doesn't get removed this principle that weekly, I would say monthly and yearly, like annual leave is really important, weekly to have a day where you set aside. And we're going to look, it's not just stopping from work. That's not what the Sabbath is. It's not just tools down, you know, quitting time. It's not just that. It's something richer and deeper. Um, And Paul says to the Colossians when the early Christian communities had lots of Jewish people and lots of non-Jewish people coming together, they're like, well, what do we do here? 
they're like, well, you don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore like a legalistic thing. And Paul says, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Like These things are not meant to divide us. But again, he doesn't say, don't not practice a Sabbath as part of your spiritual life. So let's have a look at what the Sabbath is meant to be about and why God gave it to us. There's four things. Stop in the name of love. You've got to stop. There's got to be a point each week where you stop. Stop work. Stop having to work to, to prove who you are or to earn money or whatever it is. Because when we do that, we trust God. And that's literally part of the, the Hebrew word in Sabbath is to stop. We have limits. God is on the throne running the world and we're called to let go and trust him sometimes. Even when we're doing the really important work for Jesus. There's a time to stop, to just cease. Tools down, to just stop working, stop having to produce. We're not made just to produce, just to be productive. We're made as sons and daughters of God. Rest. It's one thing to stop. Rest. There was a book years ago. I never read it, but I saw the cover. It said, don't just sit there, do nothing. <laughs> and I struggle with that, right? Because I can be sitting there or I'm stopping work or whatever, and the, it's just churning over, it's ticking over, or my heart's just beating because I'm thinking about something. Don't just stop. Do nothing. Um, it's also rest. How do you rest? How do you slow down? How do you refuel again? What is it that builds you up? What is it that fills your tank? Um, to rest, uh, to, to just cease from our labours, and to rest in God's love, to rest that we are loved. Then thirdly, delight. Like, I'm okay with stopping and resting. Friday is kind of my Sabbath rhythm because Sundays are often pretty full. So um, I use Friday as my, my day off. And my phone at 7 a.m., I've set like a focus mode. It goes into Sabbath mode. So all the notifications turn off. In fact, recently I took Facebook off my phone because I just got tired of scrolling through Bloomin' Cat Reels and whatever. <laughs> it was just stupid. So I took it off my phone. It was too tempting. Um, but I don't get any notifications. If I want to check in on my phone, I will. And sometimes I do because you know, now and then there might be some emergency. But I don't get any notifications, no rings, anything. I don't check emails. It's just I'm very good at stopping and resting and kind of putting those guardrails in. I'm not so good at delighting, actually planning to do something I really enjoy or um, you know, just, yeah, I'm not so good at that. And I'm working on that a bit more. And then worship as well, like using that time to... Just come back to thankfulness to God and to gratefulness, to see him um, in our lives and, and to thank him and, and to worship him. So that's, that's the idea of the Sabbath, that once a week we find 24 hours of space just to stop. We're not that important, right? <laughs> the world's going to end if we just stop for a bit. And it's hard, particularly these days, because, I mean, there are so many modes of communication and so much information all around. It's hard to stop the mental cycle. So people can be physically not working, but mentally just all the time. And this is a, just a, a point to stop. Stop the thinking, the over-processing, stop working, rest, delight in God, you know, eat that Krispy Kreme donut, whatever, with that double mocha latte. Um, Go for a walk, delight in something, and worship God. That's, that's the gift of the Sabbath. 
And that's what God invites us into as a weekly practice, as a yearly rhythm as well, maybe a time where you have a bit more space to do that. Now, let's move on to the daily office um, because it's a strange term, I know, but we'll we'll unpack it a little bit. Um, It's kind of like our quiet time or our devotional time, but it's a bit more richer and fuller than that from Christian history. Now, just a quick note on, like, Christian history. As Protestants, we're part of the Reformation kind of, you know, like we're not Catholic as Baptists. The church kind of went two ways at the Protestant Reformation, Catholics and Protestant. The Catholics stayed together pretty well. Us Protestants just kept splitting the whole time. There's like 30,000 different Protestant groups now. Uh, Anyway, that's another thing. But sometimes we can think, oh, there was like the early church, the book of Acts. It's like Holy Spirit came and it was great. And then there was like nothing for 1,500 years and it was all just dark and rubbish. And then Martin Luther came along. Oh, yeah, and we recovered the gospel and now we're fine. No, there were some really powerful and wonderful uh, Christian leaders and saints through that time who developed some really rich and deep ways of walking with God. And the daily office was part of that movement through those middle ages of, of how to anchor our lives in God more fully. So... The daily office is not what we call our quiet time or daily devotion, though it can include quietness and devotion. The root of the daily office is not so much a turning to God to get something, but to be with someone. The word office comes from the Latin word opus or work. The daily work, the daily office is like a mini Sabbath to be with God throughout the day. So times when we just practice and train. Now, you might do that in the morning. It's good. You get up first thing. I was talking to someone recently, uh, a Christian person, and I said, when you get up early in the morning, do you reach for your phone? And they said, yes. (laughs) And I've asked this question of a lot of particularly young people. Is that the first thing you do is reach for your phone? It's yes, for, for a lot of people. Now, I turn my phone on plane mode when I go to sleep. Not because I'm planning on flying while I'm dreaming, but just to get all the signals off, just to cut it off. And then, you know, it's very tempting in the morning to turn it on first thing, start scrolling, start reading news, whatever. But there's a rhythm right there. When you first get up, what I try and do is just take some breaths, just quietly pray. And same thing at the end of the day, just before I go to bed, as I'm going to bed, just to quieten down, to pray. I've actually got an app Um, that I use, which has this little 10-minute kind of prayer and scripture thing, and I listen to that most nights before I go to bed and pray, and it ends with the Lord's Prayer. And I anchor like morning and evening in this rhythm of of daily office kind of prayer. It's a a structure, it's a rhythm. Um, Because ultimately this is what it's about. Jesus, um, when when he called the first disciples, it says he called those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12, the 12 apostles, that they might be with him. Be with him. That's what God wants. He doesn't want our busyness and our activity. There's stuff to do. We have a mission. I get that. But he loves you. He loves you and he knows you and he loves us. He wants to share our lives with us. And it's not like too hard for God if if you have an issue at work or in your family or with something to talk to him about it. He's concerned in the intricate, mundane details of our lives. So this practice of Sabbath stopping, of daily office, kind of having structure in our day where we can pause and just pray and just seek God, it's actually quite a wise way of developing spiritual health and and spiritual vitality. It's little things done regularly. 
that create change. Often we want the big breakthrough change and the, 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 the kind of Mount Sinai movement of God, and that's fine. God does that sort of thing. But often I think God wants to change us and mold us step by step, like piece by piece over time. So you start to do some little things. I was talking to someone some years ago who just stopped praying. They are at church, they were playing on the worship team, and they just weren't praying. They hadn't prayed for months. And I was like, you know, okay, let's talk about this. I said, why don't you just start a practice that when you get into the car to drive, you go Monday to Friday, you have the same drive to work every day. When you get in the car and close the door, just say, good morning, God. Just start with that. Just start there. Don't try and like, you know, go on some seven-day fast to revitalize your prayer life. It's not going to work. You're not going to keep it. Don't go on some trendy journey of spiritual fitness, whatever. Just start small. And I remember talking to him months later. And I said, when you get past good, good morning, God, you've got a half-hour drive. Maybe you might want to say something to God. Maybe you might want to say something else. And gradually over time, his prayer life came back into, into a vital kind of prayer life because he started small regular routine and built up from there. Now this picture, I took this picture, it's not a great picture, I'm just saying, it's copyright for me. Um, <laughs> this is Mel, Melrose Abbey in Scotland. Actually, we were talking about rugby in our pre-service prayer meeting this morning because we're so spiritual. Um, Mick, this was one of the towns where rugby first started. Melrose, one of the early towns, league, I think, just because we were talking about rugby. Anyway, that's just for Mick, so you guys don't pay attention. That abbey there, it's, it was a massive abbey. Now, the, the monasteries in the Middle Ages, they became huge, very powerful, very wealthy in many ways, but they kept very strong spiritual disciplines. They were very devoted. Um, the monks weren't wealthy, but just they, people would come to them. And um, this little stairway here, this is the monks' quarters up here. This is where they lived, in this side of the abbey. It's all kind of ruins now. And they had their own special little steps down into the, the chapel. And that's where they'd go like 4 a.m. in the morning. Every day, 4 a.m., they'd get up, they'd head down there. And seven times a day, they'd all come back together to worship, to pray, to read scripture. They'd work. Man, they sheared sheep. They, they made wine and beer. They had heaps of things going on there, heaps of industry. They were very productive. That's why they became powerful and wealthy, because they, they worked um, and they were fruitful. But they had this spiritual practice, this daily practice, this daily office, this daily work of prayer, 4am, 7am, 9am, 11am, 3pm, 5pm, they just came together, prayed, spoke the word, sung to God, and it gave them a robust discipline in their spiritual lives. And look at this in the Psalms. This is not unusual. This is in the Bible. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. That's where the monks got their seven things of prayer a day. They got it from the Bible because God's people had rhythm. They had structure. We gather for worship here every week, except on the first Sunday when we have a combined service. What time do we gather here? 10 a.m. Does that change? So there's a rhythm. There's a spiritual rhythm right there. And like skipping worship is pretty trendy these days, but there's a rhythm you could anchor into every week. There's, a pe there's one right there that we could anchor into. Seven times a day I praise you. Now, and it also goes on to talk about Daniel, but we heard a bit about that. Paul in Book of Acts, look at what they're doing. These are the early Christians. On the Sabbath, 
So they're still honouring the Sabbath there. We went outside the city gate to the river. We expected to find a place of prayer. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, they created places and times to gather together for prayer. And it's really helpful and good for us to do that as well. Okay. Um, one more thing. I just want to introduce a, a bit of a, a weird word. It's, it's a Greek word that's kind of alluded to in the Bible. Um, though I don't think it's technically in there, but Paul, um, he gets close to using it. It's called um, ascesis. And it's like training. Uh, or exercise, training for spiritual fitness in a particular course of instruction. This word was originally associated with military or athletic training, and that's where Paul uses the, the metaphor. Its meaning was then expanded to include internal moral or ethical exertion or self-discipline and came to refer to the self-discipline such training required. In this sense, then, ascesis should be understood as the training of the mind, the will, and the body towards a directed goal. The key thing there, stick with me, get the brain in there, is spiritual life is like training. Are you going to be physically well, physically healthy, if you just sit around eating Krispy Kreme donuts all day and drinking double mocha lattes? No. Are you going to be mentally healthy if you don't discipline your mind? Are you going to learn anything? Who's ever been to university or, or studied something? Right. Did you have to go to classes? Did you have to read? There's a discipline, right? And the spiritual life is, is not necessarily different. Paul uses this image. He says this in 1 Corinthians. I harden my body, 1 Corinthians 9, with blows and bring it under complete control to keep myself from being disqualified after having called others to the contest. He's saying that we can't earn God's favour. We can't earn God's love. We have that through Jesus as a gift of faith. But we can have effort. We can put in effort. And that's what taking a weekly Sabbath, um, daily having a, a structure of prayer and a way of praying. It's like training for spiritual fitness. The key is not what the shape of our regular spiritual discipline looks like. And it can be different for different people. But simply that we have a discipline and structure to our spiritual lives that helps us grow and be transformed. If you just leave your physical health to whatever, up until you're about 30, you can do that. Once you hit your 30s, you know, things start to change. You've got to start to work on your physical health. What's that saying? You know, I hit 40, just started getting my head together, and my body started falling apart. Uh, that, you, know, you have to work harder, right? And spiritual life is not necessarily different. You, you need, we need to have a structure and a pattern. Not that it becomes legalistic and just a burden, but God can work in that structure. It's like a trellis. You, know, you, you put a trellis in place to grow a vine. The, the vine. the trellis doesn't make the vine grow, but it gives it some place to grow. It helps it grow. Um, and helps to train where we want it to grow. So just on that, a couple of questions to ponder for you. What are the greatest obstacles right now preventing you stopping, should say, to be with God two or three times a day? Maybe you do that and you're enjoying that and it's good. But maybe you kind of go through the day and you're not pausing at any point to really stop and be with God, to to just surrender, to pray, to just listen, to say a psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Are there any obstacles 
and have a think about what they might be. And what activities, places or people create rest and delight for you? What, what helps fill up your tank again, spiritually, emotionally? Um, and pay attention to what some of those things are. So a key principle to take away from today, there's a lot going on there. Each of us needs a deliberate, purposeful plan to intentionally structure our lives to receive and give the love of God. It's important. And I would go as far to say, you do have a structure. Okay? It might be a wobbly structure. It might be a poor structure. It might be an unhelpful structure. You do have one. But think a bit about it. How can I live well for God? How can I practice these rhythms of Sabbath, of daily prayer, daily office, in such a way that, that I'm filled back up, that I'm renewed, that I'm becoming more aware of God's love, that it's like breathing. I didn't get up this morning and kind of go, oh, I need to breathe, I need to breathe. I need to eat, I need to eat. I just did these things because without them, I'll die. <laughs> and our spiritual lives become like that. This becomes part of who we are to live and breathe God. And that's where Jesus is taking all of us and wants to take us. The problem, however, says Pete Scazzaro, is our busyness and lack of intentionality. Often we find ourselves unfocused, distracted, and spiritually adrift. Few of us have a conscious plan for intentionally developing our spiritual lives. Nurturing a growing, healthy spiritual life in Christ in our present-day culture calls for a thoughtful, conscious, and purposeful plan. And having that, it's like, it's like a rope in a blizzard. People who live in very, very cold places in the world where there's blizzards know that if you don't have a rope, a guide rope, if you're going from the house to the barn or whatever and a blizzard hits, within minutes, even seconds, you know, 30 seconds, you could be dead. And so they have guide ropes. So they go. And if something happens, they have got the rope. They've got something to hold on to. And that's what these rhythms and these spiritual disciplines that God's given us are like. They're like a rope. You know, we don't know what might happen tomorrow. You don't know what news might come into your life this week. And having a spiritual rope in Christ, having a structure, having a foundation of walking with God daily, of daily setting aside some times to pray, to be still, to listen to him, of weekly setting aside some time to, 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 to rest, to stop, to worship, to delight in God. These things are like a, a guide rope. And we don't know what blizzards might be on the way. We know that they come. So lastly, I just want to say, I drove past our first church building this week, uh, which is now a bottle shop. <laughs> it's kind of ironic, being that we're Baptists and all. Um, but... I drove past it. You know where that is there? Is it Hutchinson Street? Yeah. yeah. It's got the little round window up the top. I drove past there today. Did anyone worship in that building? Yeah. A few of you. So you know it. And I just, it just hit me. I thought, what was the spiritual life like of the pioneers who founded this church? Were they kind of spiritually flabby and, and like just spiritually kind of, you know, cholesterol, heavy arteries or whatever? No, I reckon they were, they were sharp spiritually. I mean, when you're on mission with Jesus, you have to be spiritually fit. And the fact that perhaps we can cope with spiritual flabbiness in the Christian life might mean that we aren't being productive for God. We aren't serving his purposes because we can't. You can't serve the Lord and his mission if we're not spiritually fit, if we're not disciplined in the spiritual disciplines, if we're not daily following him. And I just thought of those pioneers who started that church 150 years ago 
in this town and just planting that church and the prayer and the energy and the, the worship and the teaching that went into that to build that faith community, which we are heirs of. They would have been spiritually fit and spiritually strong. And we give thanks for them for that. So part of this is for our own well-being and health. But if we're spiritually fit and spiritually sharp, we're going to be more helpful to God for others. We're going to be able to share his love more with others. And um, that's a good thing. All right, there's a lot there. Let me pray for us. Uh, If you want to talk a bit more about this, I'm happy to talk. If you have any questions, let me know. uh, and, And we can do that. But let me pray for us. Father, we want to thank you that that Jesus has saved us by grace, through faith. That it's the gift of God. We can't earn it. We can't boast about it. We can't work hard for your salvation, which is a gift. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving us, for forgiving us, for setting us right with yourself. But Lord, we, we want to live well. We want to live wisely. We want to be spiritually healthy and sharp in you. We, we want to be effective for you. So help us, Lord, to take stock of our lives this morning, each and every person, to think prayerfully and carefully about our daily rhythm of, of walking with you, our weekly rhythm, monthly, yearly. And Lord, help us pay attention. Help us set aside time each week, a day to stop, to rest to delight in your creation and your gifts and to worship you and thank you for your blessings. Lord, help us set aside those times each day, like breathing, where we just pause. We we make space to surrender, to pray, to speak and listen to your word into our heart, to become aware of your love for us. Jesus, it's in you, in Christ alone, uh, that our hope is found. Lord, help us to be spiritually strong in you. Help us to be spiritually fit, spiritually sharp, that we can, like our ancestors who who planted this church 150 years ago, that we can be a blessing to communities in 50 years, 100 years, 150 years, because we're walking with you, we're obeying you, we're serving you, and we're enjoying your presence and friendship in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.